0: people who are accountable, they're accountable. And I've always thought, I don't want to be accountable to your way if I don't think it's right, I can't do that. If you're telling me to do a certain way and I don't think it's right and I'm accountable for the results, that's a hard no.
1: Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now that was Bridget Gleason. Bridget, Chief Sales Officer at Silk. And more importantly, Bridget has been my guest on nearly 10% of the over 1,125 episodes I've recorded of this show. And so for newer listeners, you might not know that Bridget was my co-host every Friday for the first few years I had the show. We called those episodes Frontline Friday because Bridget has always been the frontline of sales as a CRO, a CSO, or VP of sales for one high-growth startup or another. So, it's always fun when she stops by. And in this conversation from the archives of the Sales Enablement Podcast, we're doing something that we've done a few times before, which is that I'm turning the hosting duties over to Bridget, and she's asking the questions. In particular, she's asking me questions about my best-selling book, Sell Without Selling Out, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. So, she leads the conversation and provides you with a look at how you can sell without selling out. So, we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Bridget, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever that may be. So thank you for your help with that. And let's jump into it. Bridget Gleason. Bridget, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show.
0: I know, I know, I know. It's welcome back because what number is this, Andy, that I have been on?
1: I think for you, this is episode 130. So just so people know, this we're recording episode 1000. This is episode 1000. And I thought there's no better guest to have on episode 1,000 than Bridget, who was also my known as Captain Fantastic, who uh, was my co-host on 130 episodes. Think about that. I mean, people come on the show and they they think, ah, I've been here five times, and you know, do I get no, the they've got, special? They've got no idea. blazer, and it's like, no, 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 you're never going to catch up to Bridget.
0: No, you no. <laughs> No. And tell me when somebody gets close so I can, you know, keep my lead. I'd like to have a healthy lead.
1: Yeah. No, no one's going to get down to closer to 120 behind you. So um, yeah. So for, again, for people that maybe are a little bit newer listeners for about the first three plus years of this podcast is Bridget was my guest every Friday. And uh, we, we called it Frontline Fridays. And yeah, we talked about the current tough issues of the day.
0: And by the way, Bridget is still on the front lines. Okay? Yes. Still yes. so front line. I'm not over on the side consulting, a right? No, I'm writing
1: books. It, no, Bridget's no, I'm in, in it a, every day.
0: In it every day. That's right. right. And loving it.
1: And loving it. Right. So tell people where you are right now.
0: Right now, I'm at Silk dot us silk is a data. We call it the database supercharger. So it's a database layer. It's a a layer that sits on top of cloud infrastructure to help database workloads get really high performance.
1: Got it. And you are the chief sales officer.
0: True that. Very nice. Uh, That's true.
1: So you've been, you've been CRO or chief sales officer. Gosh, since we started the podcast, probably three or four different places.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you go to early stage companies, you and I've talked about it. There's a, there's a skill set. You got to be a little crazy Mm -hmm. to go when it's early and messy and not totally figured out. And yet you've got high goals and you've, there's a lot of building. I'm definitely a builder and I love the building. I love the building stage. So that's yeah. what I'm drawn to.
1: Yeah. For me, at startups. It's been the same thing. I'm, I'm at that stage. Get too many people get to established. That's, nah. somebody else, that's somebody else's job.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I like this. I like this early crazy stage. I must be a little crazy, but nobody who knows me would argue <laughs> with that. They would, they would agree. She's a little crazy. Well,
1: I, mean, I love getting an early, getting the first customers. I mean, I love, I love being the underdog, uh, especially selling sort of complex products. Yeah. I love beating the big guys. I mean, that was.
0: So fun. And it's, there's something about these early stage, the passion and the camaraderie and the teamwork and everybody pulling together. Like there's so much energy. There's so much energy. And I really, I really love that. Yeah. So I'm having a good time. Good.
1: Well, I, I encourage people to go back. If you want to listen to some older episodes of the show, is pick out some of the episodes Bridget and I did. Uh, some of the most memorable. So, some great conversations. And we brought some people in to share the fun from time to time. But it's such a thrill to have you back. Because uh, I said, what a special episode. Who would have thought when we started?
0: That we would that you, be here.
1: Yeah, because you were on one of the first episodes and like here we are. I you know. So
0: it all started... When, again, me on the front lines, my CEO said, he gave me your book, Zero Time Selling.
2: My first Did book, you yeah. Need to,
0: you need to read this. I'm like, okay. I read it like, I think I read it in a single sitting. And I went to my CEO and said, oh my God, that book was amazing. He said, do you want to meet him? Do you want to meet Andy Paul? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to meet a star. <laughs> and I got to meet Andy. And that was, how long ago was that?
1: Uh, nine years.
0: <laughs> okay. Then, then Andy. Yes. There's a new book that I just finished. I don't think it's come out yet. Did I get no. these?
1: So, so when this episode airs, we will have been a week into our pre-order campaign. So we will announce, we're announcing it on November 22nd.
0: Okay. Did I, did I bring it? Am, am I, am I no, like,
1: no, no, this No. This. Perfect.
0: All right. Are you going to say what the book is, and then sure.
1: Sure. So the book is is called "Sell Without Selling Out: A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms." And I had to have Bridget be one of the first readers of it because she's been there.
0: And I'm a and 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 I'm a reader. Like yes, I mean you and I, like we read. I read everything. I read. So I will admit. Okay. I loved your last book. I read all of these sales books. I, I don't know that I was expecting it to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've read this because there's always some things that you read and you've read them before. I, I was floored. I was floored. I, I this was an amazing book, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on your podcast. Because you know, I don't do that. I've said a lot of no, things on your no, podcast no. that you know I don't. I'm not just here to flatter you, right? Listen to a few other episodes. I'm not here to flatter. <laughs> no. And there there were so many things. Do you mind if I ask you questions about? Oh, could we, could please, we yes. flip the script and I get to flip interview
1: you? We've done this before. You've taken the mic before. Yes, I
0: this know because I can be bossy. So sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes I just like to take the mic like today. That's, that's,
1: that's fine. This is now officially sales enablement with Bridget Gleason.
0: All right. So Siri just started talking to me too. Like she heard Bossy and she's like, yeah, I got to keep her quiet. Okay. Well, first of all, yes, I love that you dedicated it to your lovely wife, Vicki. Okay. So you got points right off the bat from that. Okay. So that was a good start. And Vicki's amazing. Okay.
1: okay. Without without her, I wouldn't have written any of my books. I wouldn't be on this journey without her.
0: Okay. So you start by, God, I could relate to your, and I'm not going to give it all away, but you, you, you talk about your Early days and burrows, your first sales job, going to sales training, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like you t- you talk about things that are like cringy, mm-hmm. and I wonder why didn't you just walk out the door?
1: Oh, and I when I so we're just talking about a story. I said my first sales training class, my first sales job out of college, and I show up and. Everybody's acting what I call salesy, right? And 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 that wasn't you. No, it wasn't me. <sighs> That's a great question. I well, I think any of us who have been in sales have these moments <laughs> early on where we don't recognize who we are when we're trying to do things. But I think part of it's just I don't quit stuff, and and I think also yes, you know, sounds are sort of funny, but at various times that's what I refer to in the book, as various times during early job, it's like, oh my God, if I don't succeed here, if I don't make a go of it, what am I going to tell my parents? <laughs> right, This thing over our head of our parents to stay with us, even as we're adults. Right, it's, And so I think that was, that was part of it. It's just, it was a challenge as I didn't want to quit and wanted to see if I could do it. But by the same token, as I knew pretty early on, it's like, I can't do it the way they want people to do it.
0: But you knew enough or you had enough confidence to to, to challenge it and say, yeah, I'm not going to do it the way they do it. I think I can figure out another way.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think this is I think I was fortunate to have bosses that were willing to give me the, the leeway to do that. But I in my mind, and you and I have talked about this before. I think this is one of the issues that exists in sales in general today: is sales bosses who are too afraid to give sellers the the agency to make their own choices about how they should sell that works best for them. Right? I mean, we all operate within frameworks; we all operate within certain processes. But I always remember this quote, early from you know, my childhood. Uh, I saw the quote when I was a little bit older, but. Vincent Lombardi, childhood era hero that coached the Green Bay Packers, you know, always talked about freedom within process, right? Freedom within structures. This is what you, that's how you enable people to become the best version of themselves. And so I had bosses, and this became role model for me, who said, look, sure, go experiment, go try something, see what works for you. And that's just invaluable as a seller. That's that's what you need in order to really start working on your craft and be getting better.
0: I think also as a boss, I need people who are going to think. Right. I need thinkers. I need, especially at the stage where I like to be, is I need people who are going to think about how to get a deal done or how to sell into an account or whatever, how to position a product. I need thinkers. So I really resonated with this.
1: Right. Well, people that act with intention, I think this is, is when we get force people to be sort of compliance oriented, right? It's, this is our playbook. You have to execute it this way. What's the incentive to think? I'm just following steps. And to your point, is I want people who are going to be intentional about every step that they take. I've thought this through. I under—not that I understand, but I've I've thought through the ramifications. I've done some what ifs. Yeah, we all role play this thing in our mind before we go out to you know interact with somebody. Yeah, people sort of treat selling as a paint by numbers thing. As just, I think they are at a disadvantage.
0: Don't you think though? that as companies get bigger, that this is what they try to, this is what they think they want is the cookie cutter. Here's the plan. Everybody, everybody fits and does exactly what you tell them they're supposed to do. And just, you just need to get them lined up.
1: But I don't. Know, you and I both know people have sold for big companies. I know lots of people sold for IBM. You think, okay, they're, they would be the sort of the master of forcing people to sell a certain way. And they certainly have structure, but some of the smartest, best people I know worked in those environments and were creative in the way they they pursued deals and captured deals. And I think that's just the hallmark of of top sellers is they always, yeah, they color outside the lines. Well, it's you're with this willingness to color outside the lines. At, at some point, as a salesperson, you have to take responsibility for this, and I write about this in the book. Is you have to be willing to tell a manager, yeah, I don't agree. If there's something they suggest that you don't think will work or you think that, that uh, isn't aligned with your own set of values or strengths, you have to deliver. You know, if you're going to do something different, you have to deliver, but you need to have the courage to try it.
0: Well, I think, I think your point there is, is the right one. What I think about is we want salespeople who are accountable. They're accountable, and I've always thought I don't want to be accountable to your way if I don't think it's right. That like I I can't do that if you're telling me to do a certain way, mm-hmm. and I exactly. don't think it's right, and I'm accountable for the results. That's a hard no.
1: Yeah, and you can do that as a seller. I mean, I, I think it, there are, there are bosses who operate from a perspective of fear. We all know that they're you know they maybe don't have enough experience themselves, or they think they can only take metrics and the KPIs. But to your point precisely, which is one I write about, is that no one cares about you but you. You sort of have to have this attitude, right? And your bosses may seem supportive, but if they sort of enforce a certain compliance to a certain methodology and you don't succeed, you're going to be gone. And wouldn't you rather leave on your own terms? I did. I mean that's that was always my thing. If I if I wasn't gonna succeed, fortunately it didn't happen very often, but but you have the courage, your convictions to say, look, I think there's a better way and be accountable for delivering.
0: Yeah, I've said that to CEOs when I go in and take a role. I said, you know what, you're not gonna to have to worry about firing me for non-performance. Like I'll see it before you will. And I, I don't. And, and like you, I, 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 I can't think a lot of, of many of those situations, but no, I'm accountable and I'm going to hold myself accountable. And if I can't be successful, don't you worry. You're not going to have to have the hard, like <laughs> that's not tolerable for me. And I think that's also is holding ourselves to a high standard and taking responsibility for it. Even if it means doing something different than maybe somebody's telling you, like you say in the book, which I thought was so funny, that a boss or somebody would tell you about a way to do something and you would always be like, well, let me think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me think about it. You wouldn't. And you even have in here where one time they said, like, are you ever just going to say, yes, I'll do that? And you're like, mm. No. 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 <laughs> it's,
1: it's my career. It was my career at stake. And again, it's not that I was always right. And it's not that I didn't listen to input. You know, as, as you and I have talked about before, it's, we are the sum total of a myriad of influences that, that influence us during our career. It's not just one methodology or one boss or, or one set of experiences. And you need to continue to build on that and who you are as a seller is, is unique to you and as managers your job should be to encourage that uniqueness that delivers that level of performance
0: i don't think most managers have that confidence
1: they don't unfortunately
0: yeah they don't i think i think i think our managers need better training because oh, absolutely i just don't think they have the confidence to let people go do and explore. They feel like it's better if I just keep them on a track. Um, It's not the way it's, I don't operate that way. So it doesn't, it doesn't work for me, but okay. Another thing, just one of the things that struck me, I think why another reason I found the book so interesting is you bring in a lot of references from other people and other books and So there's just, it's really, you can tell that you are curious and you're a reader, which I love. So there's a lot of interesting references. You've got great stories. And these are the things I think that people remember. Mm -hmm. But you also then have these really practical charts and recommendations, like you've got, it's a really good combination of things. And one of them that I saw that I really liked is this chart that you have of like a mindset of selling in versus selling out. Yeah. For an example, selling out is when you pitch and selling in is when you have a conversation and you list selling out is when you tell selling in is when you ask questions And, and you've got a whole, uh, a whole bunch of them. And I was reading the list and I thought, gosh, these things are obvious in a way. If you've been selling, like if you, if you've Mm -hmm. studied the craft, it's like, and then I was thinking about my experience with just with salespeople who know this, but they default to selling out right they default to the pitch they default to the tell they default and i just thought this is a great uh, this is just a great reminder like stays on script versus curious listening to respond versus listening to understand you talk a lot about this deep listening or is it slow listening yeah
1: slow listening listening slowly yeah
0: Listening slowly, and why is it so hard <laughs> for people to listen?
1: It gets back. Well, it's, so let me provide context for the selling out, selling in. It's is is in the book I write about. Obviously, the title "Sell Without Selling Out." Selling out is you know reverting to, or not reverting, or exercising, utilizing these set of behave, sales behaviors which. We, I call salesy. They're just prototypical, stereotypical behaviors that, that our buyers don't like. And for instance, and I make one reference to, so, you know, we're so persuasion-driven in sales and and, and uh, Jonah Berger in his book, The Catalyst, writes about how studies showing that as humans we are universally resist being persuaded. And yet this is the sort of the fundamental Ethos that we imbue and educate our sellers to have, and it's as I try to point out, is this, this is not natural human behavior you know the, the ways that we act that, that our buyers resist are learned behaviors, you know being pitchy, you know, not being curious, not being, not wanting to connect with somebody, not being you know not wanting to get to a, a deeper level of understanding which are natural behaviors. we act the opposite way, and so we have to sort of change. start by changing the mindset of what, what sellers think their job is. And so this was this dichotomy between selling out and selling in. I, to me, selling out is, as a seller, you start with this mindset, my job is to persuade you to buy my product. And this is, this is the way that you know, the vast, vast majority of sellers are educated to believe is that's their job. And this is what buyers resist and why they don't like it. On the other hand, for me, selling in is as a seller. My job is to you know, make a connection, to ask great questions, to, to listen, to truly understand what's important, most important to the buyer, and then put together a plan to help them get that. And you think about it from the perspective of your the actions you take as a seller. If you th- you take one set of actions, if you think your job is to persuade somebody to buy your product. Versus, my job is to really understand what's most important to them, and then help them achieve that. That's a different set of actions that you take. And so, I, for me, it's like start just at the start at the ground level. What's my job as a seller? And if we can change that mindset and that perspective, we go a long way to helping people stop selling out.
0: I think, Andy, if you ask people what their salespeople, what their job was, they would they would say, "Yes, it's persuading. I need to persuade." Mm-hmm. I need to convince they would, and if they don't, if they don't say it, you see it in what they they do. You see it, you hear it, and I've even um, I I review. I go and I we use gong. Mm-hmm. I listen to all the recordings. <laughs> I we'll
1: get you over to the revenue.io side, but go you can say gong for now yes
0: oh, oh whatever you <laughs> the, I, I, I also I should say I listen to gong here I did zoom before well however it's recorded, you record it on your iPhone and I'm gonna listen to it. However it gets recorded I'm I I like to listen and right it's still surprising to me the pitching the pitching and I've asked people why? why? And and they've said to me, this was recent. They said, "Yeah, we know, we know, we know that that's not really right." But we're so excited about the product and what we're doing that that's what we do. We just can't wait to tell the customer about it. I said, "Yeah, but you have no idea what they're you you have no idea what they're trying to accomplish." So you're telling them all about an electric car. They may be looking for a bike. Like
2: mm-hmm. you,
0: so it's it's. And and very, very experienced sellers. This is not just this is not just newbies. Oh, I know.
1: This that's why this is so embedded. And that's why I say we have to just start by changing the mindset about what your job is. Because again, if you just think it's if you think it's to persuade as opposed to help, then like I said it dictates the way you act. And and so the point we, I'm trying to make in the book and, and the path we provide is great. Instead of defaulting to pitching and persuasion is, hey, here's, here's four attributes you can can focus on. Connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity to help you help the buyer again, understand what's important and help them achieve that.
0: I think the one in there that a lot of people wouldn't think about is generosity. mm mm-hmm. That's, you, don't often, you don't often read about that. in.
1: No. Right. And actually, you know, you go to some quarters and they think this idea of, of giving is bad, right? Because in their mind, giving means just showing up and throwing up and let's see how many things I can throw against the wall to see what sticks. As opposed to being intentional about what you're giving to help the buyer with their trade-offs and choices they have to make. And, and that's, yeah again, it's love its perspective, but it's also how people are educated to believe. So, you know, I love Zig Ziglar talking about, you know, you can get everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Right. And that's, you know, we're hardwired to be generous. We're hardwired as humans to, we take pleasure from being generous. It's how do we shape that to be able to, again, to help our buyers achieve what's most important to them. And. You know, That's in part the value we give, and I go into detail about the various types of value you can provide, but it's also about helping them develop this vision of what success means for them. And if you can play a role, because you've built this trust-based relationship with them, you can play a role in helping shape this vision, you're influencing the choices they make in a way that leans towards your product.
0: Gosh, you know, the stereotypical salesperson is labeled as selfish, Self-interest, you know, cares I only about that. The, How much right. money am I going to make?
1: Just doing it for myself, yes.
0: And there are some where that fits the bill. You know, there mm-hmm. are. So this idea of generosity, um, I think people there there are like if I were to what? tell say that to. Various CEO bosses I've had over the past several years, I think they'd be like, ah, salespeople, <laughs> generous. I don't buy it.
1: <laughs> just but, generous, Just generous with the discounts.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I think also for me, when I'm hiring, I do look for people that tend to that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, just innately that they are more generous just in spirit right is uh, as opposed to, you know, what have you done for me lately? So I wonder and I guess I how much do you think this is education? How much is sort of you, how you're. Wired or brought up, or nurture versus nature? Like, how can you teach? I know this is like very philosophical. You'd be like, Bridget, that's not the book. Okay. We're not getting well, into. But,
1: but it is to some degree. It's, I think that, that I said before, I think that the behaviors we talk about that I call salesy behaviors that buyers detest are learned behaviors. I believe that people, and I'm not the only one, obviously, there's a lot of experts in the field that believe this too, is that people are wired. As social animals, to want to connect with other people, and they're they're wired to be curious and interested in the world around them. You know, we navigate. This is how we navigate the world around us: is with our curiosity. And so, if we stop using it, our curiosity in a sales situation, how can we navigate through the sales situation? Uh, you know, we're wired to want to understand the world around us, to make sense of the world around us, and we're wired to be generous. To yeah, all the way back from our, our tribal upbringings, um, you know, evolution-wise, back hundreds of thousands of years ago. So this is how we are as humans. So it's like, how do we, how do we? Uh, you said, how do we learn it? But to some degree, it's almost unlearning so much of what, what sellers are sort of trained and educated in today and changing sort of a new perspective. But it's also about relying more on your sort of innate behaviors as a human and trust yourself as a human.
0: Yeah, the there's probably part of it that's having been socialized a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then certainly the education for salespeople is a lens towards selling out versus selling in.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing too is we just we as you know, leaders in the sales profession and so on is need to think about, you know, maybe we need to inject a layer of of education and our onboarding processes that's about these basic human skills. You know, that we assume that, that people coming into the workforce understand how to connect with another, make a connection uh, effectively. We understand that people know how to deploy their curiosity. And, and I think that's just a false assumption. It's, it's nobody's fault, but it's just, you know, we need to train the human and then train the seller after that.
0: Yeah, you talked about onboarding processes like everybody has them. They really don't. Sometimes yeah, right it's just, and, and look at, I'm at some of these small companies, I'm guilty. This is a little bit of a segue, but there was, I was interviewing someone for, I think it was an SDR role. in so my previous company, and he was very excited. And he, he said, you know, um, he said something about, I'm sure that you'll, you're not just going to throw me, you know, into the fire without like, you're not going to just going to throw me into the fire. And I said, "Mm, well, we are, but you will have protective gear, but you will be thrown into the fire, but you'll have protective gear. So don't. you'll live through it. Uh, So Andy, another part in here that I thought was funny that I can also really relate to and it's, it's a bit of a controversial topic these days is um, personality assessments. Mm. So there was at a previous company um, there was, there was, there was one of the executives that believed that, yeah, you should do a per there's a person out there's a certain personality type of a salesperson. This is who we should hire in. Mm -hmm. And then if the existing team, if they don't map, the triangle doesn't fit the triangle.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: And and like you, I was always the wrong shape. Like I'm just the wrong shape. I just don't fit. Oh, you're supposed to be like that. Oh no, I'm like that. Like I'm just the wrong shape.
1: Yeah, I tell the story in the book about yeah uh, failing a sales personality test <laughs> just a, just a few years ago. Um,
0: a few years ago. Yeah. Hilarious! Yeah, I mean, would I, fail. What I would fail it. I, I I fail it. I failed it every time. Like I I don't know why I think I would. I I know how to though trick it to make. I know how to trick it, so I do. I I know how to game the system.
1: Apparently, I don't. And
0: well, you probably didn't try.
1: Well, I, I, no, I didn't try to game it. Now, but I guess you know one of these people like you know at a career center they would tell me I'm qualified to be a shepherd or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm not a on record. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the reliability of the personality assessments. I think that that they're an interesting data point to use in in a hiring process. But yeah, I, I would never base a significant portion of my hiring decision based on that. Because first of all, there is no one way to sell. There's no one type that sells. Uh, more successfully than others. Uh, you know, we could get 100 of the best salespeople in the world, line up, and they'd be 100 distinct people. And as managers, you want to lean into that. You want to, again, part of what I'm advocating and, and that we don't do enough of is how do we enable people to become the best version of themselves? And that's really our responsibility as leaders is to make that happen. And I'll, I'm different than you. I, you can't sell like me. I can't sell like you. And we have different strengths. And then you compound that by the fact that everybody we sell to is unique as well. It's complex. So, yeah, I'm I, yeah, not a big fan of the assessments. And I think that if you're looking at how to, how to set characteristics or attributes that you want to hire for, is start with the buyer. What does the buyer need from us in order to make the decision to buy our product and our service and our solution? Start there. And then hire those attributes, not I want a hunter. I mean, who who needs a hunter? Buyers never ask for a hunter. Or as I say
0: in the book. Also, think about it. Okay, I want a hunter. What do hunters do? They kill. Okay, so that means if I'm the customer, I've got somebody who just sees me like with a target on my back. Ah. That doesn't seem like a good symbiotic relationship to me.
1: No, as as I write about in the book, is is you know, there's one question a buyer will never ask you, which is, yeah, you know, hey, Bridget, I love the product you're selling. That I think this could really work for us. But the problem is, you're just not salesy enough. Could you be more salesy? And yet, this is what we do. We we train our sellers and educate our sellers to act more salesy as opposed to more human, the way our buyers want us to be. And so, back to the topic. You know, if you're hiring and you're trying to set a create a set of attributes that our job uh, definition, start with the attributes that our buyers need.
0: I agree, and you're right. They're not saying, "Gosh, I wish she would just." present a few more PowerPoint slides to me and not ask me anything. Could Gosh, you, I wish you would just keep talking without having any idea what I'm interested in. Can you keep doing could you that? More, could you be more pushy? Could you push more? Could you be call more. me instead of calling me once a day, could you call me twice? Right. Because you're not calling me enough.
1: Right. I'm missing that. Be more salesy. That's the about the book enough. is 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 we you know the irony is 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 that Yeah, we we educate and train sellers in these salesy behaviors, and it's it's not the answer to any question, right? If you say, well, what will help me win a higher percentage of my deals? Being more salesy is not gonna help you win a higher percentage of your deals. Right? And you can go through the customer challenges. Yeah, every challenge your customer has, you being more salesy helps them not at all. You you being more curious, you being wanting to connect more, be more trustworthy. Having a better understanding, making them feel understood, that has a lot of value.
0: And the best way to make them feel understood is understanding them. Yeah. Like it's, it's somebody asked me once, I had done a, it was a presentation, and somebody came up after and said, How do you do it that you come across as authentic, like you care? I said, he said, like, how did, where did you learn that? Like, how did you, how do you, who? I'm like, well, cause I do like, right. this practice. isn't a, this isn't something I put on and then I walk <laughs> off and then like, it's really there.
1: Well, that's, as what I said is, is before is we need to think about in sales is that when we are educating our sellers and our, our leaders is before we train them for a role Let's educate them what it means to be human in that role. And I think we do that if we learn, teach people how to connect, right, with another person. You know, simple things I talk about in the book, like learn how to use a bit of small talk to to bridge that gap, to build a common ground, Uh, how to deploy your curiosity, the types of questions you can ask. And, you know, I've got a pretty detailed set of examples of lists of different types of questions you can use to help you not only help you understand the buyer better, but help the buyer understand what they're trying to achieve as well Well, better. Uh, How to use that curiosity to bridge the gap between just knowing something and truly understanding it. So you can help the buyer feel understood. And then obviously to create a vision of success to help the buyer say, okay, this is the Right. right choice. Be successful, right? Those are human skills. And we just need to focus more on those and less about, as you said, putting on the act and being salesy is, is an act because, again, it's learned behavior.
0: Okay, my last question for you, sure. and I know this book hasn't come out yet, but what is your next one going to be on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm already anxious for it. Well, because I've already got to read the second one, so it's like, okay, what's okay now? Right. Ne- now what?
1: I think the next one, I've got it outlined and Parts of it written, but we'll see. Is is about um, how buyers really make decisions. So again, along the same lines of this book is, yeah, you know, making it very simple to understand and very practical for sellers, because again, I think we're just we're so unaligned or misaligned, whatever the right word is, with our selling processes with the process the buyer goes through. And it, I refer to it in this book as well as it's a source of frustration that. You know, for instance, like Gartner comes out with their research about buyer enablement a few years ago with this complex flow chart of the processes the buyers are going through, and it's this start and stop and recursive. And yet not one single sales organization have I met said, Oh, well, you know, we've changed our process to try to align with what their buyers are going through. Instead, we're on parallel tracks. And I, I you know, I love my last rant, perhaps, is is you know, I love this idea is we've got everybody talking about quote-unquote modern sales, and you research, you go go on Google and search modern selling process or sales process, and the fact is that almost everybody is using the same linear stage-based selling process that's existed for 50 to 60 years or more. I mean, we got our Initial call, we maybe it's you know tweaked a little bit depending on what business unit We've got a discovery call, then we've got a demo, then we've got a presentation, then we've got a proposal, and then we close. And it's like, oh my goodness. None of those mapped what the buyer does. We should we should be talking about where the buyer stands in their process, the same way they think about it. Right? We should there should be one process for buying and selling <laughs> and use the same terminology, and then you would as a sales leader, when you're helping coach opportunities, you're going through a pipeline review, and want to understand, you want to understand you want to understand. You want to help your buyer, your seller understand where the buyer really is. That'd make it a lot easier if everybody's using the same terms. So we have to make a last point: is and we'll talk about a little bit in the book, but not as explicitly is. You need to think about sales selling as a collaboration, not something you do to a buyer.
0: <laughs> I think most of the time we do it to them. Right. And that's it, what they would say.
1: Right. If that's how what they are you do it. Doing to me. That's right. But if you take the approach as I talk about in this book, is to listen to truly understand what's the most important thing to the buyer and then help them get that, that's a collaboration. And that's the approach you need to take.
0: It's a great book. Oh, thank you. And Rachel. again, I'm Very not nice. just saying it. Like I said, I don't, I'm not about flattery here. No. It's a really, 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 really great. It, it, it's a great read. It's interesting. It's 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 useful. It's really. It was really. It was a pleasure. Oh well, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. So
0: until the next time, until we the don't next time yeah.
1: Well, we don't know when the next time is going to be. We'll talk before then for sure. But Bridget, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, it's
0: thank you for having me. Episode a thousand. I like it. I'm privileged. I'm honored. I'm so glad I'm at a 1,000. I'm I'm glad I'm at this inaugural, this special.
1: We're starting the second millennium with you. And yeah, for people that want to learn more about this book, please visit. uh, You can pre-order it on any place that you buy books. I urge you to go ahead and pre-order it. But maybe before you do that or after you do that, come to andypaul.com and we've got some bonuses, special bonuses for people that pre-order, including a exclusive event with me after the book launches so we can
0: talk about the book. So, um, Bridget, Very thank you so much. All right. Take care, Andy. We'll talk soon.
1: Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my good friend, Bridget Gleason, for sharing the hosting duties with me today. And then I also want to thank you, as always, for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.